0: Hi, it's Dan, and welcome to 15-Minute Film Fanatics. Usually, Mike and I record these in the same studio, but this time, Mike was so excited about finally seeing Parasite that he couldn't wait, so we recorded it um, talking to each other in remote locations. We also want to just say thank you to all of our listeners. We picked up a listener in Iran, which we think is just incredible, and we urge you to tweet to us at 15 Minute Film. that's at 15 M I N F I L M or use the feature on the podcast description that allows you to leave a voicemail. We'd love to get some movie titles from you. Any suggestions you want us to do for the show, we will definitely do them. So thanks for listening. And here comes our conversation for the first time about Parasite. Hi, welcome to this week's bonus episode where we're going to be talking about a movie that actually is as good as everyone says it is, and that movie is Parasite. It's got a lot of buzz right now. I saw it when it first came out, but Mike, um, I know that you just saw it last night and you're eager to talk about it.
1: I really am, and it is as good as everyone said. I don't know what your experience was. I don't frequently go to the cinema that often anymore because I tend to just kind of sit like a grump with my arms folded uh, and, and grumble, but... Everybody in the audience was electrified by this movie. Nobody made a peep. Uh, I sat next to a guy who, when the movie was over, remarked to nobody in particular, whoa. And that's exactly (laughs) how I felt when the movie ended.
0: That's how I felt too. I went to see it by myself one morning. I deliberately didn't read a lot about it because it got a lot of buzz and I wanted to see it for myself. Um, I saw it and the enti- and usually when I go to the movies, I worry that someone's going to start talking and ruin the experience for me. But nobody made a peep the entire time except for strange, appropriate laughter at moments where people really didn't know how to react.
1: Yeah, I think that that's well put that people don't know how to react because some of the things that happen in this movie are just so unbelievably over the top that you're not sure if you should right. laugh about it publicly and we'll just say this right now we say it in a lot of episodes but these are major spoiler alerts Spoilers, if you don't if you don't yeah. want to know what happens in this movie you can listen to it and after you shouldn't you've seen the it. best
0: way to see this movie like so many other movies is to know nothing about it
1: but for real and not because this is a podcast if you have not seen this movie do yourself a favor cancel your next meeting take your lunch break drive down to the theater and go see it right now
0: let's talk about what makes it great because um, one of the things that that a lot of people have said about it, including me when I walked out this isn't some great like insight but I think it's interesting to talk about is how much it resembles a Hitchcock film particularly late Hitchcock
1: absolutely so the two movies that I had in mind I'm not sure what you had in mind were uh, Rope Uh where the two guys put the body of their friend on a table uh, and have a party around it and Rear Window I think a lot of this movie is about voyeurism. It's about mm-hmm. watching uh, other people. Um, for those of you who have seen, it, I think that the director makes a great use of space. Uh, the living room features a huge window that overlooks the backyard and so much of this is about looking and watching and which side of the glass you're on
0: yeah it's about watching other people the same way like i thought of myself when i drive through really really ritzy neighborhoods and i get house envy and i look at these houses and i'm like what's it like to live in that house and that feeling i think is what the, the film taps into is you're voyeuristically looking at other people's lives and saying oh wouldn't it be great to be to live in that house and then of course, the movie turns it on its ear. Um, one quick thing: you said it, it's funny. You mentioned Rope um, and uh, Rear Window in terms of plot. The movies I thought about were Hitchcock movies. I don't think about too often. I thought about Frenzy and Family Plot because of because they're both like really, really disturbing movies, especially Frenzy. Um, but later Hitchcock, there's moments where like there's this very, very dark humor that runs through them, and that was that's what I kept thinking of as I watched Parasite.
1: Yeah, I think that the movie kind of works in two acts, maybe with an epilogue, but in in the first act you're conned as an audience member into thinking that you're watching a con. And so there's kind of a Hitchcock, like, um, you know, what's the plot, what's the (laughs) trick kind of pleasure in the movie. And the reason I thought of rope is because it very, very quickly kind of becomes a drawing room comedy uh, of a sort, a drawing room, black comedy. Yeah. Uh, where it matters who's hiding behind the curtain and who's scurrying out where and I think that these are devices that maybe originate on the stage and come through American film but they've definitely gotten picked up and shown in some ways back to an American audience in other words um, obviously this is a South Korean f- it's a f- you know done with subtitles but in a lot of ways it's a good old-fashioned uh, classic american film or at least a south korean take on one
0: absolutely yeah and it's funny you said the con because the hitchcock con i kept thinking of was joseph cotton in shadow of a doubt because you know the same kind of thing where you you, you're supposed to you presumably know how to react to that kind of thing but then i think parasite kind of flips that over all right that's our first segment so we'll we'll talk soon great we're gonna pause here because we just want to tell you something if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast So let me explain. The first point is, it's free.
1: Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop.
0: Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places.
1: You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership.
0: It's everything you need to make a podcast in one
1: place. Always be closing, Mike. (laughs) Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, welcome back. So again, in this second segment, we like to cover a key scene or a revealing moment. Dan, I know that you had one that you want to lead off with.
0: Yeah, mine isn't uh, that cosmically uh, important, maybe, or maybe it is. But my, my moment, uh, that I thought about in the car on the ride home was the great moment where the lead daughter is um, sitting on the toilet in their, uh, their basement flat as it's filling up with sewage and just sits on top of it and lights the cigarette because it's a perfect a representation of what she's trying to do in the whole movie, which is everyone's trying to, you know, to, to use expression to keep all the, to keep all the crap from rising to the surface. And I think that the great thing about the movie is that it's all those things do rise to the surface in, in very, very unexpected ways.
1: I think that that's a great moment. I think maybe <laughs> if you had to pick an emblematic image, that's a perfect yeah. emblematic image for for what's going on. And then uh, I remember... Yours? I remember having a moment when she pulls out the cigarettes, wondering, yeah. like, were those underwater? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I don't think, it, I don't think it matters or it's resolved. But right. I just had one moment where I wonder if it's not going to light, and then she sits there and smokes. Um, just her
0: resignation—has she just lights the cigarette because he's like, "All right, what am I going to do?" It's, just, it's like a perfectly—it was a perfectly believable moment in a film filled with unbelievable things.
1: Yeah, I think it's also tied to what the father says to his son when after the flooding they're stuck in that kind of camp where they're giving out blankets and stuff and basically the dad says listen man don't make a plan i never had a plan because if you don't make a plan you can't be disappointed (laughs) if you if you can't make a if you can't make a plan or you don't make a plan it can't go wrong yeah and, of course, we see that it, it can go terribly wrong. It goes terribly
0: wrong for everybody, right? Um, so let's talk about yours. What was your, what was your big moment? Sure. Fresh so off, just, fresh off in your, from your memory here.
1: So just to briefly set it up, I think that the moment where I knew that I was kind of in the second act of the film or that it was taking me somewhere that I didn't expect was the moment that the Park family returns Uh, And all of our main characters who have been lounging around their rich house, discussing rich people, talking about what it's like to live in a house like that, getting drunk and eating food, uh, suddenly hide under a table while the man, uh, rich man and his wife lay on the couch and talk about the way that the guy smells. Yes. And basically, he's a great driver. You know, um, he never crosses the line or he comes close, but you can tell he's a good man. He's a good driver. It's just that he smells like cabbage or an old towel. Yep. And there's just something incredible about the look on the dad's face, the look of resignation and repressed rage. And to realize again, too, all that acting is being done uh, with the face Mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, some of their some of their fantasies as these husband and wives kind of tease each other are about you know slummy things or whatever that they, they thought uh, the reason that they thought that they were going to get rid of the original driver, um, and they're they're not supposed to be in the house, but they also both are occupying the house at the same time, and it's clear that the household doesn't run without these people, but at the same time they're literally um, above the other folks from from whom they're hiding, and there's people trapped behind a secret door. You know, I I guess the main thing that I have to say about that moment or the moments that lead up to it is, it's maybe the only time that I can remember in a recent movie where the phone rang or a doorbell rang. And I truly did not know who was on the other end. I had no <laughs> expectations about where I could possibly be led. And then there's a, there are these moments where you can see it on the character's faces as they're walking down that cement hallway down right. into the bunker that they have no idea. And, I think that part of that disorientation is what makes the movie operate so well, and the second act of the movie operate so well. Yeah,
0: and in a, and of course, like that, when I, what I thought when they went under the table, which was great, was that 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 belongs in a in a bedroom farce. Yes, like that belong that belongs in a, in, in a, like a door slamming, you know, noises off kind of thing. But there, it's not because when he says the old, when he says that the father smells like cabbage, it's not funny.
1: No, it's it's inverted null coward.
0: Yeah, exactly. that's exactly what it is. Inverted old Coward. All right, great. Well, I'll see you in segment three. Great. Okay, and welcome back to segment three. In segment three, we like to talk about a film's ending, which this film certainly has a, a very memorable ending, and also the title. So, Mike, I wanted to start by asking your take upon the title. Um, you read a lot about uh, you know, the title, which, by the way, some people have told me when I recommended the movie that based upon the title, they thought it was a horrifying sci-fi movie. <laughs> like along the yeah. lines of alien and things like that which of course the, the director knows darn well people are going to think that but one thing that i find myself resisting are when you see people on on the internet and in print talking about how the movie's kind of like a lecture about the one percent like we're supposed to see that the park says the true parasites but i think that the movie is too smart for that and the title the title goes in in 10 different directions at once
1: well, I think that the movie resists it in two ways, and then if you can think of any other ways, you can you okay. can let me know. The first is that uh, our main character, the, the father, takes his own revenge. Meaning, I think that there's a way in which American satire is meant to work, right. uh, wherein the message. Or the rendering of the film is essentially, you know, quote unquote weaponized, mm-hmm. as, a, as opposed to the fact that the in this case, the rich guy just gets brutally stabbed in the chest right. and and killed. And so the the film goes farther than you can go in that reading. If you right. say, well, they're despicable, they're deplorable, you know, are, are they deplorable enough to to watch somebody get stabbed and bleed right. out and not feel sympathy? I think that the other way it works is that as hilarious as the first act of the film is when they're taking over the family and they're taking over the jobs and they're taking over the ha- house. There are some despicable moments that make you say, no, these are not my heroes. I can never root for these people. They, you know, it's not the fake tuberculosis. Else... <laughs> the, the fake tuberculosis is such a beautiful moment. It's like, if you know what it is for me, I always think of, um, uh, What's that movie? Chariots on fire, Wheels of Fire, with the, with the the slow motion marathon. Yeah, chariots race. of Fire. Yeah. Chariots of Fire. You know, it's like my Chariots of Fire moment, which is you know the the thing that really moves me or makes me just want to clap for a director. Right. You know, this is my <laughs> Philadelphia. It's, it's the tuberculosis moment is so brilliant. Yeah, it is. Um, but. The, the the moment I was thinking about is the moment that they use in the trailer, which is when they're going to fumigate the apartment. Yeah. And the dad says, no, 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 we'll get free extermination. And he sits there looking at the pizza boxes while his uh, family inhales the noxious gas. <laughs>
0: yeah that is a great moment but also you know the, the other great thing about the parasites you said is that so clearly like you know the, the leaves are parasites of the parks who are parasites of the lees and and you know but also um another interesting and obviously that the the guy living in the, the basement at the end of the movie he's going to be a parasite there for a while until um, enough money is made to spring him right. by the house but certainly i also thought that you said rear window before um we're kind of like parasites too like that's the nature of watching movies it's like i thought to myself well if, if the movie's called parasite then who was the host so you right. can see different, you know, different family is a host and the other one's a parasite, but we're also parasitic when we watch a movie. Just the same way I said I was parasitic when you drive through a ritzy neighborhood, and you're like, oh, it'd be great to live there. That's what a parasite thinks. That's what a tick thinks when, it, when it's looking for a host.
1: Yeah, I think that the kind of Hitchcockian idea here is that an image creates complicity. And that is what is happening uh, in this film. You know, every time that I laugh at the tuberculosis thing, I'm literally in on the joke. You know, when we go down, you know, when you're, you're almost rooting for the kid, he's going to, he's, so he's got that stone, that lucky stone, right? And he's going to, the scholar stone, right? The scholar stone, he's going to go down to the basement, bash that guy's brains in and (laughs) solve all their problems. And part of you, you know, so there's a moment where the wife turns to the husband and tells him what to signal with the lights you know, and yep. I'm like, in a different movie, we'd be rooting for them to escape. Yeah, you know, th- this would be the great scene where she's giving him the key information that allows him to escape. But not in Parasite. In Parasite, you're saying, "Wow, I hope that message doesn't get across before the kid can bash their brains out." <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not, right. you're not sure who you want to win. So I think and that, that yeah, no, go ahead.
0: I was going to say that you said before, like an image creates complicity, right? Like you're, you're you know, that's why, you know, um, you know, you, you show a criminal in the first five minutes of the movie, you're on the criminal side, right? Well, here you said before rear window and that's all about images creating, you know, you become complicit in something, but it's so different because in rear window, you're totally with Jimmy Stewart. Yes. Because he's Jimmy Stewart. And you know, like Hitchcock knows how you're going to feel about Jimmy Stewart and you you obey all of Hitchcock's commands on how to feel about Jimmy Stewart and about Raymond Burr and about, you know, all, all the things that happened in that movie. But this one, it's kind of like, that's why I said before about the uneasy laughter, you really aren't sure who to side with or who to,
1: what you're supposed to feel. And that ambiguity takes me kind of to my final point, which is that maybe the Oscars don't matter. I don't know your take, yeah. but okay. frankly, I think that this is best picture. Um, you know, Yeah,
0: it's certainly one of the best pictures, you know, I've seen in a, in a long time. And it's certainly um, you say ambiguity. It's a great, great feeling to walk out of a movie and and really shake your head and really say, like, I have to talk to somebody about this.
1: Yeah, I think for me, if, if this matters at all, it's the distinction that people should make more movies like this. And m- yeah. more importantly, I feel like they should fund more movies like this. Yeah. There's a, a lot of movies, I think, are included in the best picture category that are never going to win because. Yeah. I feel that the Academy sometimes throws certain filmmakers and certain producers a bone. But I would love to see more movies like this filmed, made, brought into the U.S. And we could use many more experiences like that.
0: Absolutely. I I mean, I love the feeling of having the carpet pulled out from under me. I mean, that's a great, great feeling when you see a movie or read a book, right?
1: It's true. You know, not to make a too fine a Hitchcock joke, but it's truly vertigo.
0: It, It is. All right. I'll see you next time. Take care. Take care.